Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington, and this is the Hungarian Grand Prix race reaction. That's right, guys. We just saw the Hungarian Grand Prix where Ferrari, another time, screwed themselves out of points. It's not because of reliability. It is from the most shocking strategy decisions we've seen all year. Any overreactions about the Ferrari team that we've denied in the past were absolutely true. I am, I'm, I'm out. I'm still a Ferrari fan. I'm still a Leclerc fan, but I'm furious. I'm asking for the heads of Mattia Bonotto and any strategy engineers on the Ferrari team. But Max Verstappen won. Lance Tanner, how are you guys doing? Thank you for listening <laughs> to my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ferrari's rough. The fans are struggling. You're struggling. The team's struggling. People are furious. I think uh, even George Russell was like, yeah, I, I feel bad for Leclerc today. Like, I feel bad for him with what took place and the, the strategy he was given with the pace that he was on. But congrats to Verstappen winning another race, putting Red Bull well out in front in the Constructors' Championship and moving himself well out in front in the drivers. And then Mercedes, another double podium. This, you know, Hamilton continuing his run of podiums. Some interesting stuff to take away as we go into summer break. What do you make of it all, Tanner? Yeah, some interesting stuff to make as we go into the summer break indeed. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, Ferrari, like let, let, let's paint the picture, okay? So we have a crazy qualifying. Perez is P11. He goes out in Q2. Everybody's shocked. Every non-Red Bull fan, which include the three of us, are thrilled because we get some excitement. Um, and then lo and behold, we get to Q3. And Verstappen puts in a not so great time and then has some problems. And it essentially turns out that he's going to start from P10. So we got P10 and P11 for the Red Bull drivers. We got P2 and P3 for the Ferrari drivers. And then P1 goes to George Russell and everybody's like, whoa, George Russell, this is time to shine. This is this can be your first one of your career. This is going to be great. And then for Stappen, crush everybody's dreams. And Ferrari, just like they, they, they opened their trash can and, and jumped inside of it. I saw a tweet and it was, Ferrari couldn't hit water if they were jumping off a bridge for it. I've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yep. They Ferrari couldn't, couldn't hit sand. Either. Ferrari they didn't know there was water there. They jumped off a camel in a desert. The, the strategists at Ferrari are the type of guys that throw a rock at the ground and miss. Okay, they just they can't get anything right. They just don't know what's going on. And I don't know why as fans we continue to think anything different is going to happen this season. Like going into this, I think we're all a little bit high or a little, maybe not high, but hoping for some type of turnaround, even if it was just a podium from one of the Ferrari drivers. And they can't even accomplish that. Noah, where, like you got to be just fuming. Just ha it's been a couple hours. Where are you at? Ferrari comes into this year with one of the, if not the most talented driver pairing on the grid. Say what you want about any other driver pairing, top three driver pairing at Ferrari. I, I think anyone would agree with that. But you have these drivers who drove well, qualified P2, P3, didn't really make any mistakes throughout the race, who finished in P4 and P6 because of strategy decisions. You have Leclerc going medium, medium, long on the first set, 
And then they pit him early. He had probably five, six, maybe even seven laps of life left in those medium tires before pace dropped off. They put him on hards, which they already knew was going to be super slow after seeing the Alpines drop three places. Then we have Carlos Sainz, who they pit with, I don't know, 23 laps left, put him on sauce, which they know only has a life of 18 laps, maybe. That's a serious mistake. Like it's, it's it's simple mathematics. I don't care what you simulated, what you calculated and, you know, your computers look outside, look at what's going on in the race because that's not going to work out. It's you have to adapt to race conditions, to the drizzles and, and they screwed themselves. You see Red Bull make these proactive decisions. They stick to their strategy. They stick to their guns and make places up, make time up easily and it's almost like Ferrari psyched themselves out by pitting Leclerc early onto those hards. They were like, oh, shoot, we got to cover off Verstappen's undercut. When you still have eight laps of life left in tires with the same pace, you're not losing time. I, I, I don't get it. There's if nothing. If, yeah. Yeah. One, one second. If, if I'm Leclerc, especially Leclerc, signs, it's whatever. But if I'm Leclerc, I'm going to Ferrari leadership right now and saying, hey, listen, I'm backing out of my contract if Mattia Bonotto or strategy engineers aren't fired because I'm done. You're, you're screwing my chance at a driver's championship. And like, there's nothing I can do. I'm leaving to Mercedes or Red Bull when I, the soonest time I get the chance because you're costing me a driver's championship, which is my ultimate goal. It, it's as simple as that. And I think he has leverage to say that. Yeah. Because what are they going to do? No, say no? It, exactly. And it's it's like, they're embarrassing him too. Like, it'd be one thing if it was like, okay, I'm not in the fastest car on the grid and I don't even have a chance at a championship. Instead, he's in arguably the fastest car on the grid and he's just been worked out of a chance for the championship off of some terrible decisions. And it's just more frustrating and embarrassing than putting some awesome results in a maybe not as great car. So all that to say, there was a lot to it. And, and one thing I want to call out, Noah talked about that tire strategy that, that Ferrari went with in this race. And, you know, I love to make fun of Pirelli, especially when I talk about tire strategies for every race, because I think they're ridiculous sometimes and overestimate their tires in a lot of cases. Pirelli were on it this race medium medium hard was not a strategy that was even considered every race Pirelli puts out the two fastest strategies and for each of those two strategies there are a couple of alternatives maybe something happens maybe this is going to be about as fast uh and this is how you change things up a little bit Ferrari went out of the playbook they were like oh we're gonna be so clever and it was just I don't even know it was rough at, at this point, they just need to follow the other top teams on what they're doing because they just shouldn't trust themselves. They shouldn't, they shouldn't try to think out of the box. Right now, they're, they're battling for second in the constructors. First place feels a long way away with Red Bull's success and how they continue to not make these mistakes that Ferrari seemed to not get away from. So that's what they're doing right now. And Mercedes is on the rise. We'll see what these cars come back after break but they just got to be feeling awful for these next four weeks now in the position they could have been in. We talked about coming into these final two, three races before the break, 
there was an opportunity for Mercedes to make a jump up. There's an opportunity for Ferrari to close that gap with Red Bull. And the first thing happened, Mercedes made the jump up, closed the gap with Ferrari and Red Bull got further away from everyone else there. And as a fan of none of those teams at the top, it's frustrating for me to see because I want to see more competition. I don't want it to be announced with multiple races to go that Red Bull or Max Verstappen has won their respective championships. And that's just what it is. That's not fun. I enjoy when it comes down to the final race and Ferrari just isn't messing it up for their fans, for their drivers, for their team. They're messing it up for fans of Formula One in some ways because we're not getting that competitiveness that we all enjoy. We're not getting to see things come down to the final races because at this point, I'll be honest, I expect Max Verstappen to win the Drivers' Championship with multiple races to go. I have not done the math on when he'll be able to win it, but I do know if he DNFs for the next three races, he will still be leading it even if Charles Leclerc were to win and get fastest lap in each of those three races. I, yeah, I'm sorry, Noah. <laughs> it's not great as a as a fan of Ferrari. I'm sure I don't understand, but like I, even as a Formula One fan, I'm frustrated. If that helps, I don't I don't even know what to say at this point. You, Charles Leclerc throughout the entire race did not put a foot wrong. Like he didn't put a foot wrong. The soft tire at the end was not as fast as I would have thought, but I don't know if that was more on him or more on just the Ferrari car, not making those tires work. It was just unfortunate, but you know, that's something that you could have tried later. The hard tire was not the move. Like that was clear. So you, so you have a driver who led the race for multiple laps for like 10 laps and he finishes in sixth and it's not like he spun. It's not like he lost power. They just messed up the strategy. Like I, I don't get it. Um, I, I want Mattia Bonotto gone. Like he's the one who makes these ultimate strategy decisions. He gets input from tons of different places. All these different places suck. That's clear. But, (laughs) you know, they said before the race, we have to race a smart, simple race and we win because they qualified P2, P3, closest Red Bull qualified in P10. Smart, simple race probably gets you the win. At least gets you a podium or two, probably two podiums. But instead, they tried to get cute with hard tires for Charles Leclerc and then an early pit for Carlos signs onto soft tires of all things. It didn't make sense at the time. It still doesn't make sense. Logic just goes against it in every possible way. So, uh, you know, I'm at a loss for words. It's they, it it was almost like they swapped strategies mid race, you know, Carlos Sainz pitted five laps before Charles Leclerc the first time. And then at the time that you would have expected Carlos Sainz to be pitting, or maybe a few laps before they pit Charles Leclerc, who's on pretty new medium tires. It's just, it it didn't make sense. It was like they switched papers or something. Um, but, but yeah, uh, the, the race is on for second now. The, the race is off for first. The race is on for second. You can't trust Ferrari to make any smart decisions going forward. Even if they make smart decisions for one race, that means they fuck it up for the next two. So that's just the way it goes. But moving down the grid, <laughs> moving down the grid, we saw Lando Norris take seventh. Both Alpines take eighth and ninth after a strategy mistake putting on the hards. They were 
one of the first ones to put on hards, them and Kevin Magnuson. Didn't work for any of them, but it worked out for the Alpines since they are noticeably faster than the rest of the midfield teams. So they finished eight and ninth. Then we saw Seb Vettel make his way up, finish 10th, passing Stroll close to the end. So impressive finish from him. But yeah, I mean, this race was a a test of strategy and, and, and willpower. It, I think no drivers had seriously bad races. There were a few errors here and there, a few mistakes, but by and large, we saw strategy. You know, we had one reliability failure, which is rare this season. And so uh, it was strategy. And so the teams that had smart strategies did well. The teams that didn't did poorly. That's, that's just the way it went. Yep. Yep. Sounds about right. And I mean, kind of like you said, I was yelling my head off, screaming my head off when Alpine decided to pit their drivers and go onto hards because it was pretty clear that wasn't the best strategy. And like general rule of thumb in Formula One, stay with the crowd. It's usually a better bet than trying to be unique with, with tire or just race strategy. Um, you know, maybe you want to do an undercut or an overcut and get them that way, not necessarily changing your choice of tire. Um, so I was upset when it happened and obviously I was upset seeing them just fall and fall and fall and get passed over and over again. Um, but they still managed a pretty strong result, uh, everything considered. So, you know, I'll take it. Lance Lando had a pretty strong race qualified in P4 really looked great throughout all of the practices and qualifying. And unfortunately those top three cars between Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes, as long as they're not either a starting from the back of the grid at a hard to overtake track or B falling out of the race for any retirement issues, it feels like it's impossible for anybody inside Alpine or McLaren to peek into the top six at this point. I, I completely agree with you that like you said, barring any DNFs of those cars or anything else weird happening, that that's kind of the ceiling for uh, Fernando right now. Fernando nor specifically Daniel Ricardo may have a little, a little bit different of a ceiling there, a little bit lower, but if Lando's finishing seventh, this is back to back seventh place finishes for him. I'm content with it. I understand. Uh, I would love to see a lower number up there, see something in the top five. That would be great but I just got to be realistic with where the McLaren car is at in comparison to the rest of the field. But I did love seeing him come out fourth in Saturday, and it did give me a lot of excitement coming into today saying, hey, we've seen these cars have incidents and crashes and DNFs, so I had excitement for him potentially to finish in the top five still, shall we say, from where he started, depending on what happens. And then Alpine, I got to give props for props. Are due. They had a great qualifying day. And who knows if they pull, pull this same strategy, if they didn't have such a good uh, qualifying, where they may have ended up on the grid, if they would have qualified eighth and ninth, well, you know, they may have been out of the points. So that's just an interesting thing to think about, even with all the speed that Alpine has. But sadly, going into the break, I believe Alpine stays ahead. They equaled each other in points today, Alpine and McLaren. McLaren is still four points off that fourth place lead. So we'll see. It'll be an exciting final nine races of the season when we get back after summer break. So I like that going strong. And then Vettel, it came out after I race preview, but he's going to retire at the end of the season, guys. And he comes out here, qualifies P18, which is like, like, what? Come on. Like, we know Aston Martins hasn't had a great season, but we expect more and we hope more, especially for Sebastian Vettel. 
He comes out, has a great race day at a track that he's had success at, goes up eight places and able to grab a point for Aston Martin. That was really fun to see. Yeah, no, Vettel had a great race and, you know, kudos to him to, to putting in a great race right after announcing his retirement. This whole week was filled with with uh, silly season ideas about who might be replacing him, which we'll absolutely get to uh, in this summer break. We'll have a silly season episode where we talk about potential suitors to replace Vettel, potential suitors for other seats on the grid. So that's that's more to come there. But going back to the race, Vettel was strong. He started in P18. So I was really disappointed after to all the talk about retirement for him to come in in P18 and qualifying. I was like, okay, that's sad, but I guess the re- that's the reality of somebody who's about to retire. Uh, and then just put in an awesome race uh, today. And it was, you know, a lot of, like Noah said earlier, just great strategy, um, but also solid racecraft. I mean, he almost got Alcon right at the very end. So great race by Vettel. It was fun to watch a four-time world champion go around the track this weekend. Absolutely. I mean, I picked him in our race preview to, to make Q3. So maybe it was kind of foreboding having him, you know, score points instead of doing well in qualifying. I, I missed the mark, but I got it in some ways. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was kind of the story of the race. Good race by Aston Martin. These last two races, they have been quick, surprisingly quick. They've got this revolutionized rear wing that, a lot of a lot of teams are questioning the legality of, but um, because I think what it does is it makes it harder for cars to follow, which was kind of the full point of some of the regulations this year. Um, so we'll see if that sticks, and we'll see if teams kind of flip around their design for their rear wings. I think it hurts qualifying pace, the their design, but it definitely helps their race pace. So kind of interesting stuff there, but you know, good for Aston Martin to kind of creep back into this, this midfield racing, if they can beat out, you know, the, the likes of Alpha Tauri and Alpha Romeo and all, all, and Haas. So, so good finish by them, but yeah, I think it's time we jump into our checkered flags. Uh, I, I think we, we got to start with the big one. Who, who's got that one? There are, there are, there are two different big ones, but I'll start us off. Uh, with our race winner he's not a guy that I was hoping to win the race he's certainly based on qualifying not a guy I was expecting to win the race and that's Max Verstappen starting in p10 like Noah said earlier Red Bull's strategy was was perfect I mean the optimal strategy was starting on those softs going on a stint on mediums and then going back to another medium set of tires that's what Max Verstappen did and he did it better than anybody else on the grid Uh, because at the end of the day he beat out second place in Lewis Hamilton by about eight seconds, started in 10th. He spun in the middle of the race. He did a 360, all that said. So it wasn't as bad as a spin can be, but he spun and still won. That's not supposed to happen. He did not have a flawless race and he still won by eight seconds, which is absolutely insane. Um, I've been saying he's the best driver on the grid most of this season and this was one of the best drives of his career. It was the furthest back he started and still won. So starting in P10, going up to P1, that was the biggest gain for him in terms of a P1 victory. So all that to say, he is absolutely deserving of a checkered flag. Not a, not a race from him that I loved watching as a pretty, pretty, you know, 
pretty aware so anti-Red Bull person, but I can't help but appreciate uh, everything that he did today. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it was a really great race, and as someone who just appreciates wa- watching someone be excellent at what they do, whether that's you know an athlete, a singer, an actor, or what have you, Today was a really special day, I think, for Max Verstappen to show what he is capable of as we normally see him start towards the top of the grid. So we're not as often seeing him work his way through the likes of Alpine and McLaren or even Mercedes at times this year. So that was really great. And what really separates him is what he's able to get out of that Red Bull versus his teammate in Sergio Perez. Because it's really easy to go, well, Red Bull has great strategy. They have a ton of money. They have a really fast car. Of course, Max Verstappen is going to win races and do great. But then when we see the gap that he's able to pull to the other Formula One driver, who is a top 10 driver on the grid, you know, top 10 driver in the world, it's very impressive what Max Verstappen's accomplishing this season and accomplished today in this race. And like he said at the end of the race to Christian Horner, this was a result they had no idea they were capable of when he woke up this morning. And here they are. Absolutely. I, I think the, the word that I would use to describe Max Verstappen today is relentless. I, I, I think from start, start of the race to finish, he put in lap, perfect lap after perfect lap. He didn't get fastest lap at the end, but, um, but you know, was just the quickest guy on the grid. Um, I, I think it could have been a different story had Ferrari just made semi-competent strategy decisions but they didn't and Max Verstappen was perfect he was perfect he was relentless he made the one spin error which was an error um but he recovered like an absolute champ and um and didn't kill his tires which luck skill who knows um but it just he's so much better than Sergio Perez you know, a, a lot of days we, we'd be coming out of Sergio Perez at Hungary saying P11 to P5, that's a super impressive result. No matter what car you're driving, it's hard to overtake here. And so that might deserve a checkered flag. But when you compare the gap between Perez and Verstappen, it's almost unfair. Um, so absolutely deserve checkered flag. I hate to say it, but it's, you know, best driver on the grid today, I think. Yeah. Back-to-back wins for him heading into summer break. Got to feel feeling pretty good. Going to go to Monaco, enjoy his summer break. Probably get out on a boat. Well-deserved Max Verstappen. Moving on to my checkered flag. I'm going to give it to the guy who's podiumed each of the last five races. Back-to-back second-place finishes. The only driver to podium each of the last four races, Lewis Hamilton. Another great race from him, building upon his recent success, I want to say. He, he qualified P7th, and he had some DRS issues that didn't allow him to get in a great final lap there in Q3. And so I was really interested to see how far Lewis was going to be able to go, especially with the pace we saw from Lando Norris on that day. We knew the Ferraris and Russell already in front, and he'd have to deal with the Red Bulls from behind. And I'll tell you what, at the end of that race, that man was flying. He's the reason Max Verstappen didn't have the fastest lap or any other driver didn't. Those soft tires were coming to him. And with a little bit more time in that race, another 10, 12 laps, who knows if Lewis could have caught Max Verstappen. I really enjoyed it. He deserves his props. He has shown why he is one of the best drivers to ever race in Formula One, if not the best. And he's helping out his bid and working his way up the driver's standing. He's still sitting in sixth place, but 
probably scored the most points out of any driver over the last five races. So making his way up and also helping Mercedes come back to fight Ferrari in P2. And I will give a shout out to his teammate, George Russell, who was able to grab his first pole ever, as we mentioned on Saturday and had a great race still coming home with a podium, despite maybe having some strategy issues and just not having quite the pace there. Some of the other drivers and Max Verstappen. So all around a great day for Mercedes and specifically Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, no, I, I can't say enough about Lewis's race. I mean, um, at certainly at the end of the race, he was the fastest man on the track and it was not just over a one lap period where he grabbed fastest lap. He was faster than anybody else. And, and that goes a long way. I mean, it really gives credence to the Mercedes versus Ferrari argument, uh, which is not an argument that I would have said that we'd be having at the start of this rate, uh, week. So it, it, it was a great race by Lewis. I mean, you can't say enough about him. The only only thing that gives me pause about it all is continuing to call Max the best driver on the grid when Lewis is doing something that's, I don't, it's not equally impressive because he's not grabbing race wins, but incredibly impressive and absolutely a lesser car. So all that to say, I, I think Lewis Hamilton is, you know, far from past that he's, he, he just put in an absolute performance today. I mean, it, it was, it was very impressive. Absolutely. I, I think it's a very deserved checkered flag. I mean, yeah, guy from went from P7 to P2. And um, and yeah, I think it was close to, to say who had the best drive today between Verstappen and Hamilton. We saw Hamilton also make a mistake kind of going wide, um, kind of forget, maybe locking up a bit. I can't remember if it was lock up or just late breaking. I think it was more late breaking at one point um, and, and had to go off track brief, briefly. Um so it wasn't a perfect race from him. And, you know, I think he had the strategy that Charles Leclerc was supposed to have throughout the race. He started on medium tires and made that strategy work perfectly. Uh, so, so, so with, with that finish, you're seeing what Charles Leclerc probably would have done. I don't know if he would have been closer to Verstappen given the, pace advantage or time advantage rather. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the strategy that you would have predicted for, for the Ferraris having started on mediums, but yeah, absolutely mega race from Hamilton. I thought he proved why he's a seven time world champion. Um, definitely, definitely deserving of a checkered flag finishing ahead of his teammate who qualified on pole. That's always checkered flag worthy. And let's say we use the word prove lightly just because he is a seven-time world champion, so he doesn't really have anything to prove, but he did sh- demonstrate it yet again for the people who just love to hate on Lewis Hamilton. And yeah, There's that. still questions. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He, he has nothing to prove, but he did still demonstrate or show it today. He reminded us. There yeah, you go. I like him. I like it. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm going to close off the checkered flags with mine. Who's – and it's, it's going to be a celebration of, of a lifelong achievement. It goes to Seb Vettel, who nabbed a point there at the end, passing his teammate Lance Stroll. Again, I talked about it earlier. This Aston Martin is showing real pace. Seb Vettel wasn't great in qualifying, ended up with a point, going by all these midfield cars that um, all have different paces on, on their days. And so I thought it was an impressive point from Seb Vettel. I think it's 
more deserved than any other driver in the top 10. Um, I, you know, I think it could have been a different story if certain drivers had not switched to hard tires, those being like Lando Norris, I think could have had a, a checkered flag worthy day qualifying in P4, then finishing in a competitive P7 uh, would have been great, but those hard tires kind of ruined his race. He might've ended up close to Checo and, and Charles Leclerc, who knows had, had he had a better strategy. So I, I got mine going to Seb Vettel. I think this race is really a two checkered flag race, but since we always give out three, I want to re- reward Seb Vettel since he did have a very good race day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he deserves it. He deserves it. Starting in P18 and climbing up to P10 on a supposed to be hard to overtake track is always, always, always a very good result. Um, he did get a little bit fortunate uh, with with Aston Martin to an extent messing up Stroll's strategy towards the end. Just having Vettel pass him, like I said earlier, Vettel had a very strong chance and came very close to overtaking Alcon right out of that, right at the end for P9. Uh, and that's not something you can it, you can ignore. I mean, Alcon's tires, his hard tires, should have been thriving at the end of the race. That should have been when they were the quickest. And Vettel made up that gap so fast and almost overtook him in a much slower car at the end of the day. So great race from Vettel. Great career. I, I can't wait to watch his final nine races. Um, and I can't wait to see who replaces him, too. Yeah, well-deserved gaining eight places and getting points for your team when you're ninth place in the constructors. Well-deserved checkered flag, I will say. Congrats on the career overall to Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champ. I'm excited to see what he does next because whatever he does, we will all be watching with enjoyment and excitement. Guys, I think it'd be really cool for uh, – I know he may want to do some more racing uh, in, a, in a different league, in a, in a different circuit, but I would love him to come back as a commentary, maybe like a – pundit you know we get him from time to time i think that would be really exciting to hear you know his his commentary during these races and qualifying and practices and hear his takes as someone who would you know be be a year removed from the sport would be really exciting it would but i think i might rather him as the ferrari strategy lead Uh (laughs) i i think that's an option too i see him i don't know i see i've been seeing a lot about him they like nothing he will do next should be a surprise because it feels like he can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. He surely can. He's, he's literally the smartest guy on the grid. Um, he knows more about formula one than probably most of the team principals. If anybody just re- remembers his grill, the grid where he named the driver's champion every single year in order um, that covers what, like 70 champions. And it was just insane. No, the guy, the guy is nuts. He can do pretty much anything he wants at this point. And, and you can't say enough about how successful he'll probably be in any of those roles. Yeah. And let's keep in mind after he crashed into the wall on his own driver error, I think it was in the final practice before qualifying, he was helping rebuild the car and in the garage, grabbing tools and whatnot to help out his engineers, lending that hand in to make sure he could have his car ready for qualifying to give it a chance. So the type of guy you want on your team and in any role. But I do want to sit here for a second before jumping into overreactions and talk a little bit about this midfield battle from ninth to seventh. We have Haas at 34, Alpha Tari at 27, and Aston Martin at 20. 
Haas has really been up and down. I feel like they do two races great, two races awful, and that's been the season so far. Don't I have zero confidence in Alphatara in any given race weekend at this point. And Aston Martin with back-to-back points, recency bias, who knows, maybe maybe Vettel puts it together some great races here, these final nine, and we see Aston Martin make up a 14-point gap and finish seventh. That would be pretty impressive by the team and a fun way for uh, for Seb to go out. I think that'd be really cool. I, I I think, you know, you saying those points, I also know Alpha sitting in, in sixth with 51. So I think that's kind of out of range given, given the pace of all the, of McLaren and Alpine really. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it, it might be exciting for those, those three teams going into the, in, into the second half of the season, got a lot of racing left to do and, you know, all the, um, all, all the trends are swinging, you know, and right now it's swinging in Aston Martin's direction. So we'll see. Yep. No, it's certainly on the table. I mean, the, the, the craziest thing about all of this is Haas was supposed to do really, really well this weekend. They gave Magnuson so many upgrades to his car and, you know, strategy collision issues and any, anything just all screwed up Magnuson's race today. Uh, he could have been in a Vettel role and come into the points and then even pass the Alpine drivers. And that just didn't happen um, because of, you know, a lot of unfortunate issues with his car and, and strategy too. So all that to say, you know, it's very, very telling to, to say that this was supposed to be Magnuson's and Haas's race and they were far from points and Vettel got points and Stroll was right there too. Absolutely. Yeah. Hard tires were not, not the decision today. They just weren't. Yeah. We'll see uh, how the, uh, how the last few races go for these teams, but let's get into some overreactions. I'll start us off with one that based off of what you two have talked about um, today, I don't know if this is going to be that long of an overreaction to discuss, but I'll be interested to still hear what you say. So for both the constructors and the driver's championship, we have Red Bull, who is up, like, I don't know, 97 points in the constructors. And then Max Verstappen is up uh, 90 points. Did I do that math right? Something like that? Anyway. 80 points. Yeah. 80 points. So they're both up a lot of points right now. I think it's decided. At 13 races, I know we have nine more. But with the strategy, with the spread, and we don't expect Red Bull to have too many issues down the stretch, whether that's strategy even with a few reliability races I'm accounting for where Max maybe doesn't finish on the podium. I think it's decided that's what it's going to be for the championship. And our focus should be on everything else taking place in formula one, because those are set in stone. Noah, what do you think? It's done. I think it's done. That's not an overreaction. That's too many points for Ferrari to make up. That's too many points for Mercedes to make up. Red Bull consistently make good strategy decisions. Even if they make poor strategy decisions, they've got maybe the fastest car on the grid. They also have good pit stops always. Signs had two four-second-plus pit stops today. That definitely cost them. That doesn't happen with Red Bull. You know, and I think Max Verstappen's got it one. I think... You know, Charles Leclerc is in second. Sergio Perez is in third. Charles Leclerc can't catch Max because 
Ferrari is either unreliable or stupid. And then Sergio Perez doesn't have the talent to catch Max. So I think they're both done and it's not close. It's not going to finish close. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with please, please, please don't stop listening to our podcast just because the season is over for, or at least the battle for first is over, but the battle for first is over. Verstappen and Red Bull have sealed it off. They're too dominant. They're too consistent. And it's just, and, and Ferrari are too scatterbrained, I guess is, is the best way to put it. Like they're all over the place, man. Um, no, I know we usually like to get saucy in these overreactions and sometimes we disagree. Sometimes it feels like a reach to, to buy into an overreaction, but I don't think this one is even a reach. I mean, gosh, it's, it, it's not fun as a fan to see it this uh, this cut and dry going into the summer break, but it, we have, we have four weeks to or three or four weeks to sit and marinate on the outlook of the season, I guess is how I want to, how I want to put it, but yeah, it, it's done. I'm in agreement with you guys. It is done, but it's okay. We still have 19 other places in the driver's championship and nine other places in the constructors yet to be decided unless we want to go ahead and pencil in Williams and 10th, but everything else is still up for grabs on the grid. But yeah, it's done for, but that brings me to my next overreaction or not overreaction. We'll see. Looking at the driver's championship. Second place is Charles Leclerc at 178. Then we go to Checo, then Russell, then Sainz, then Lewis Hamilton in sixth place at 146. So he is 32 points back from second place is it an overreaction to say that we're going to have a five driver battle for second place that any of those four any of those five drivers could come in second with nine races left to go coming out of summer break tanner is that possible uh in every single one of our post-race reactions and we've talked about overreactions and whether or not Mercedes are in the fight for P2 and and whether those drivers are in the fight for P2 and in every single one of my answers I've been consistent I've said no it's not realistic Mercedes are not as fast as the other two cars and I don't think pace matters anymore so yes it's or no it's not an overreaction any of those five drivers could win P2 and I wouldn't be overly overly shocked I mean Sainz is still a strong driver in Ferrari and and Leclerc, bless him, is usually the beneficiary of the awful decisions. Uh, and that's just kind of the way it goes. And Sergio Perez, obviously, in a Red Bull has a chance at P2. And George and Lewis are just consistent. Mercedes don't have the reliability issues that the other uh, engines do. They, they have strong strategy decisions almost every race. And you can also make the argument that it's the best driver pairing on the grid. So no, it's not an overreaction to say any of the five of them could go for P2 this season. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's wide open. And and I think the only reason it's wide open is that is because Mattia Bonotto still has a job as we, as we're recording this. I, I think the Ferrari, I still think the Ferrari is faster than the Mercedes. I, I, I don't think that's a debate. I think it's a lot closer now. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a lot closer, but I think the Ferrari is faster. I think Charles Leclerc is a better driver than Sainz or Perez handily. 
Um, but they still, he still has the same strategy guys. And so I think it's wide open. I, I think he could be driving the same unreliable Ferrari and have good strategy and be a shoe in for a second, but he doesn't have good strategy. So it's, I think it's wide open. I, I think Checo has been performing poorly compared to Verstappen for a few races now. And Mercedes takes advantage every single time to close that gap. So I think it's wide open. I don't think signs is going to finish there. I, I, I think he might, he might be the least likely in my opinion, but yeah, I'd agree. Uh, yeah. Just because I don't think signs is going to be jumping Leclerc for that. So probably give him the worst odds, but this would be a great feat for Hamilton for a guy who's not going to win the driver's championship this year on a team that's not winning the constructors championship, but to still walk away with the second place after nine races to uh, make up 32 points it's in the realm of possibilities. Netflix would eat it up. I would eat it up. Even though we're saying stuff at the top is still decide has been decided for the first place. There's still a lot of action to be had and a lot of fun things taking place. And Perez, like you said, he's not been racing great but he's only five points behind and that's with him not performing well and struggling these last couple of races. So there's still room for him to jump up and hold that second place. And I think that's going to be a close battle down the stretch. This next one, I was back and forth on how to word it for an overreaction. It's a conversation I want to have. It'll be interesting. We'll talk about some constructors here and I'm just going to ask one or the other. And I just want to hear you guys go about it. Cause it's about both of your teams. What is more likely to happen? Is it more likely that Ferrari finishes in second where they are now in the Constructors Championship ahead of their Mercedes? Or is it more likely that Alpine finishes in fourth ahead of McLaren? Which one are you giving higher odds to do you think has a better chance? Noah, I'll start with you. I would say Alpine finishing ahead of McLaren is a better chance. Um I, I think, you know, I, I still think they're faster is the biggest reason. I think they're faster than, and, and by and large, they make pretty good strategy decisions. The, you know, they made some poor ones today, but I, I, I think they're still ahead of McLaren and, and they'll keep that place. As for Ferrari, I have no faith in them anymore. I, I have zero faith. Even with so, the 30-point lead, where even, Alpine only has a four-point lead over McLaren, Ferrari has 30 points on Mercedes. Listen, if there's one thing that I trust, it's it's this these Mercedes strategists and the German reliability. I don't trust McLaren's reliability enough. I don't I don't think Daniel Ricardo has enough in him for them to to clearly be above. Right now, I, I think Mercedes is going to finish ahead of Ferrari. I, I think it's like 60-40 Mercedes, and I think it's like 60-40 Alpine ahead of McLaren. Maybe even 70-30, 65-35. I don't know. But either way, that's kind of what I think. Maybe maybe I'm just really angry right now, but that's how I feel. All right. I'm booking my tickets now. I am I'm flying to Atlanta, and I'm pulling Noah away from the edge of the cliff because I can't believe you said that because, you know, Lance said it, he, he pulled it into the conversation. There's a 30 point gap between Ferrari and Mercedes. And yes, there are more points at the top to get 
and, and make up. So, you know, with that, it's easier to make up 30 points if you're fighting for podiums than to make up 30 points if you're fighting for P5 P, or P7, P8, P9. That said, McLaren have plenty of resources. They're only four points behind. It's not hard to make the argument that Lando Norris is the best driver of the four of them. Um, and I don't know, man. No, I'm done. <laughs> I understand where you're coming. I'm done. From. I understand where you're coming from. I, I get it. Um, I don't know. I, for, I, I think the biggest reason I'm, I'm sold that Ferrari have better odds to beat Mercedes is because I think there is a very, very, very real world where Ferrari still have the fastest car on the grid. I didn't say second fastest. I said fastest. And yes, their strategy has sucked. And yes, their reliability has sucked. Uh, but fastest cars, I'm never going to give odds against, if, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. I just don't think uh, it's coming from the best mindset. I'm angry. I, I think Alpine's <laughs> faster than McLaren. I, that, I mean, that's part of it, too. I think Alpine's faster than McLaren. And so uh, it's just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. We're framing up these two battles for the final nine races to go between Ferrari and Mercedes, creating something there. If not, everyone is recognizing it. Believe us, that is a battle. That's something you're going to have to watch out for on Saturdays and Sundays the rest of the way. And everyone knows about the battle of Alpine and McLaren. As far as to go that the principles of each team are essentially saying, hey, beat the other drivers and you did good today. As long as you're ahead of them, that's that's all we're worried about. We have those three teams in front of us, those six drivers. We're not touching them. It's kind of mano y mano between those two teams. And I like McLaren to beat Alpine. Ricardo's a wild card. So I'm just going to say he gives a few points here and there the rest of the way. Don't exactly know what it equates to. But I believe in Lando Norris that he is good enough and fast enough. And the McLaren is that car is just competitive enough to give Lando the opportunity to be consistently ahead of Alonzo and Ocon down the stretch. That's where I'm at. Granted, they are only four points behind, so it's a lot easier to say for me. But still, I think either or is possible. That's the thing with splitting you guys on it, feeling split myself. I think that goes to show uh, either one could happen. I don't know if we're going to be overly surprised to see one of those teams finish, you know, not where they're at today. Yep. Yep. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I like that. I like that. Do you have any more overreactions for us, Lance? I think those are all the overreactions I have today. There's some driver stuff that would be a lot of fun to get into, but as we're coming up to summer break, I think we're going to have a silly season episode. We're going to have a driver rankings episode. So we're going to be able to cover a lot of ground there. So I'll save some stuff for future episodes uh, from all of us. But we're coming up, you know, towards the end of this episode, we've covered storylines, checkered flags, our overreactions on the championships as a whole coming out of this race. What are your guys' closing thoughts? Noah, try not to be uh, too, too depressing. It is, it is still the weekend. That is nice. But uh, what do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've vented myself to uh, exhaustion about Ferrari. So I'm going to talk about other teams that we haven't mentioned. Alfa Romeo continues to start poorly every single race start, no matter where they qualify, almost every time they lose places. It's ridiculous. We saw Valtteri Bottas qualify in like P8 and immediately drop like four places. 
it's insane how bad they are at the start. So Alfa Romeo, like, get it together, man. Like, please just get it together. It can't be that complicated. It really can't. Um, that That's another thought. Maybe I just want to vent right now. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> We're done talking no, about you're good. You're good. We're done talking about positives. No, I, I, you're not wrong on Alfa Romeo. They've been... They've just been disappointing. There's there's no other way around it. Just, you know, we love Botas. Uh, Noah decided to say he might go out in Q1 this week, and he made it in Q3, so that was a personal win for the podcast. Why did uh, you say that? You, you said that as a little bonus point. It wasn't something you that you felt strongly about. It wasn't your quote-unquote qualifying surprise, but you brought it in. You brought in the, the Botas sacrilege into our podcast, Lance and I weren't for it, and and we were awarded for our faith of the finish. That's man. right. I, and, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, and and I I, I want to talk about a few other things. Uh, I had Daniel Ricardo as my quote unquote surprise Q three entrance. Whether or not that's considered a surprise is up to interpretation. He did make it into Q three, so it was rewarded there. Had an amazing move that we haven't talked about, where he overtook both Alpine cars at once. That was probably the most gorgeous overtake of the race. I, I don't think that's, you know, up for much debate. It was just, you know, very, very merciless, very, very calculated, and certainly adv- uh, took advantage of the situation. So kudos to Ricardo there. That said, Noah mentioned the strategy that McLaren had on had for him uh, this race and that it was just lacking, and it really was. Uh, and not only that, but he also probably wrecked his race more than he wrecked Stroll's when he collided with him, uh, probably maybe with a quarter of the race to go. It was it was Ricardo's fault. He got a five second time penalty. Uh, he got two penalty points on his license. But that said, there was there was reason for upside and optimism for Ricardo's weekend. And I, I you know, I think it's fair to say that you should have uh, optimism going forward for him because I, I feel like he's on the uptrend. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was the one who texted into the chat uh, when, when Ricardo made those overtakes. I said, Danny Rick, please stand up or something like that because it, it was gorgeous. And I think he had a great race except for his accident, which I'm going to pin down to the fault of the McLaren strategy because those hard tires weren't warm enough and softer mediums probably would have been. And so I'm going to blame McLaren before I blame Danny Rick for that one. I thought he had an impressive race again. That's why I think Alpine will, will do better. Danny Rick's a wild card. And even when he was a good wild card, McLaren strategy messed him up. I got it. I, I appreciate the Danny Rick loves McLaren fan. And we do. I'm glad we talked about that overtake. That would have been a big miss if we didn't talk about it. Cause it was beautiful and just really great. Rarely do you see a guy overtake two cars like that on a single turn. And rarely is it two cars of the team you're directly competing against. So that was really enjoyable. One guy we haven't talked about who maybe didn't, didn't have anything notable happen to him on Sunday. But as Nicholas Latifi, who went P1 in the third practice, had a great time there, which was super exciting. Then he's, he's not doing good in qualifying. He never does, usually. And he's putting in a great final lap in Q1. He goes purple in sector one faster than anyone else on the grid. Goes green in sector two. 
And then in sector three, he loses it, trying to get that tight angle on that final turn, isn't able to hold it down into Williams, and ends up qualifying P20th. But I really do think he would have gotten into Q2 if he would have been able to keep it together on that final turn, qualifying you know, multiple places above his teammate Alex Albon. So that was been really impressive. So I'm not going to say I have any expectations for Williams going forward, but that was exciting to see from Latifi on Saturday. That was an added bonus. Haas, people were calling you guys the white Ferrari. Certainly didn't race like it. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens going rest of the way. I keep them as a wild card too. No, the way you describe Ricardo, I feel like it's fair to describe Haas as a team that way. Maybe it's just a track-based car, and that's what it is. Some weekends good for them. Some weekends it goes away. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. No, and piggybacking right. on the discussion about, about Williams and about Latifi, it is official, folks. At this point in the season, with nine races to go, we have some eliminations. Mick Schumacher, Yuki Tsunoda, Zhou Guanyu, Lance Stroll, Alexander Albon, Nicholas Latifi, and Aston Martin reserve driver Nico Ukenbeer have all been eliminated from World Driver Championship contention. So if you thought any of those guys were going to make a run on Max Verstappen, I'm sorry to say it is out of the cards now. Tanner, I believe you forgot one Charles Leclerc, but that's okay. No, we're talking about mathematical elimination, not not uh, not empirical elimination. <laughs> gotcha. My bet. My bet. Sorry, no. All right. Well, <laughs> bad. I think that does it for our race reaction and race review of Hungary. It was a really great uh, time doing this podcast. There's a lot to to digest and pull out ahead of the summer break. A lot of fun. We will still be doing episodes and posting. So if you're still listening at this point, I assume you enjoy us. So please keep an eye out for those couple episodes that we'll be releasing throughout August before we get back into racing in that final weekend. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with the friends, leave a rating and review. We appreciate the five stars to catch all the latest from us. Follow us on Twitter at F1 wheel to wheel. Thanks again for listening. And that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 podcast.